Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Success Harbor Podcast with George Mazaros, where it's all about making success happen for you. Hi, everyone. This is George Misarish with Success Harbor, and I have David Cicerelli with me. He is the co-founder of Voices.com. Voices.com is the online marketplace that connects business people with professional voice over talent. Welcome. Hey, George. Thanks for having me. This is uh, great to be on the show today. Thank you for being here, David. Tell me, what gave you the idea to start Voices.com? Yeah, it's a, it's a great story, and uh, I'd love to share it with, uh, with you. Um, you know, I went to, uh, after kind of graduating from school uh, for audio recording, uh, where I learned how to record, um, mix, edit, and produce music, um, you know, in the classrooms were these uh, big mixing consoles that look like uh, the bridge of the Starship Enterprise, if you will. And, and when I graduated, I really kind of had the idea of, of starting my own uh, small recording studio. And that's what I did. And we're in uh, London, Ontario, Canada, uh, about an hour outside of Toronto. And and uh, after opening the studio, I had a, uh, the newspaper, the local newspaper, publish an article about this uh, new studio uh, on my birthday of all days. And, and this is where it kind of gets interesting. You see, um, what I didn't realize at the time is that uh, my wife-to-be, uh, who I'd yet to meet, of course, um, Stephanie, was uh, a classically trained um, singer and musician and, and uh, was looking to record a demo um, and she, because she would sing at weddings and special events and, and, uh, and her mom kind of came up with the idea apparently that maybe she, rather than auditioning face to face at people and, and staying, uh, and, and, uh, after, you know, church to, uh, to sing a few songs for someone to see if it'd be good for the wedding. Well, why don't you get a CD done where you can actually hand it out to people? So it was actually all, um, Stephanie's mom who caught out the, article uh, in the newspaper and left it on her bed and, and she came in and uh, we did these recordings together. Well, because of that same, uh, not only uh, did I meet my wife, uh, Stephanie, um, because of that same newspaper article, um, there were other small businesses in town, a, a local um, hair salon, there was um, an event management company, and they wanted a female voice, uh, one for a commercial on the radio and another one for their phone system. And because they wanted a female voice, and of course, I, I only knew one girl in the city, I call up Stephanie. I said, do you think you can read this page of script for me? And we will split the money. So we were officially in business together. Um, but because uh, we started out uh, doing voiceovers, uh, you know, kind of on our own, and we were, you know, modestly successful uh, in, in London, Ontario, um, we put up this website. Maybe we could market ourselves more broadly. And when, you know, kind of taking one step uh, and then another, uh, we actually started getting people that would contact us and go, well, if you need somebody who speaks French, you know, can I be on your website? And this other guy did character voices and somebody in New York, you know, if you need somebody in New York, can I be on your website? And before you knew it, we had two dozen people on our website um, really located all around the world. And that was the, you know, the proverbial aha moment. Well, if we're doing this in London, Ontario, and there's, you know, clearly a global market, what if we could build an online marketplace for these services and um, get out of the production business ourselves and run this web platform where we connect businesses, um, ad agencies, video production companies, um, you know, game producers, audiobook publishers with professional voice talent. These people who have great voices, they either have a background in theater or maybe broadcasting. And they were looking to uh, leverage those skills and market themselves on the internet. So that's exactly what we did. We sold the, the little recording equipment that we had at the time and 
uh, hired our first web developer who built a, a kind of a you know a first version of the website, and um, we kind of went live with this idea of moving uh, of creating a community online where people could conduct business. And so initially, you grew organically, pretty much, or was there some you know strategy there? You know, I'm not, I'm didn't go to school for business, um, other than uh, you know having it kind of in, in my blood. I think I was the kid that you know always had the bugging his parents for garage sales and lemonade stands and trading hockey cards. So, um, you know, truth be told, I don't think we really had a whole kind of marketing strategy around growing the business. So it certainly was very organic. Now, one of the I guess kind of tactical things that we did um, in order to acquire the first uh, group of users, you need to certainly uh, inform um, your your audience, whoever it may be. And we did that by going through the Yahoo directory. So um, the Yahoo directory at the time, and we're going back to kind of like 2004-ish here, um, was this kind of nice or nicely organized um, listings of, you know, kind of hand-picked, editorially picked um, good websites, you know, people that have, you know, businesses, um, in that particular vertical market. And, you know, the Yahoo directory still exists today, but what we, um, did back then was we literally just kind of went through website by website in very kind of logical and methodical order uh, and just invited people to, um, to sign up. And we did that uh, both on the voice talent um, side of the market. So call that the supply side of the marketplace, uh, or, or service providers, and then the uh, demand side, those kind of clients that are looking to hire the talent, we did the same thing, where we went down really a list of advertising ag- uh, agencies and video production companies and just said, hey, if you're ever looking for a voice for your next video, then consider using Voices.com. And I should, George, if I if I may um, mention that we didn't actually start as Voices.com. It was the 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 name of the company was Interactive Voices, so it's kind of a bit of a mouthful. Um, can I share a quick story of how we got the domain name? Yeah, you know, I was gonna I was gonna mention that it's a great domain, and and you know, I was gonna ask you if it was the first idea that came to mind, but but please please do share. It's an yeah, awesome we, domain. Yeah. It's as good as it gets, right? Oh no, for sure. It kind of says what we do in a single word. Um, you know, as I mentioned, we we started as interactivevoices.com, so it's bit of a mouthful and and you know your profile would have been you know george.interactivevoices.com and and we had people you know probably about 10,000 people using the site at the time um and you know this was kind of the height of the whole web 2.0 movement and you know flickr got started and twitter and all these companies are dropping vowels on their name and really kind of bright bubbly colors and and you know it got me thinking well maybe you know interactive voices is this long name, you know, literally people were complaining that they were tired of typing it out so much and and it, they didn't know if it was singular or plural or if we only did interactive and new media, so it kind of pigeonholed us a bit. Um, so I was on a, on a bit of a quest, a quest to, to change the name and I actually put in a bid for uh, of $100,000 for Vox.com and uh, that didn't go through. And I looked at Voxio and Voxy and all these other kind of variations on that and really, nothing was really quite working well. And and, uh, and I realized, well, maybe it's not a whole name change and a rebranding, but rather, what if we could kind of just chop out the interactive part and just keep Voices.com? So I did what probably many of you have done. You just go to you know in your address bar or go to Google and you type in a domain. And what came up was a medical journal called Silencing the Critical Voices in Your Head. 
So it was this psychology paper about, um, you know, kind of positive self-talk and, and so forth. And, and it would had probably, you know, a half dozen, a dozen entries or so hadn't been updated since the year 2000 and was originally registered in 1998. So a very kind of old, well-established domain name. Well, the good news is that at least it wasn't AT&T selling telecommunications equipment or, you know, Voices the Movie or something along those lines. And, and so, uh, you know, but I did realize, you know, George, if I, if I had been the one, you know, David at InteractiveVoices.com emailing this other guy asking, um, you know, uh, you know, I did the who is lookup uh, that you can kind of see what who is uh, the registered user or owner of any domain. So I did that lookup. But I realized if I email him, um, from my interactivevoices.com email address, he'd probably put one and one together. Maybe go to the website and realize, hey, you know, he's got this little business going on, um, you know, and probably you know maybe increase the prices, jack them up a bit because there's clearly a business opportunity here. So I realized, well, literally the same week, my um, a lawyer moved into the office across the hall from me in this kind of tech incubator uh, space that we uh, were working from at the time. And I said, hey, do you think you can send this guy an email on my behalf and just ask him, would he sell the domain name? If so, what price? So he comes back and he says, yeah, the guy would sell the domain name for $50,000. I'm like thinking, okay, well, the, you know, it's good that I didn't spend hundred grand on the other name because I think this is actually a better one. Um, but I, you know, like uh, many entrepreneurs starting out, you certainly didn't have $50,000 laying around. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, I went to the banks and tried to explain this to them. And they're like, oh, you're, you're, you're building a new website. Is that what's going on? And I'm like, no, no, no. It's just the domain name. And I don't know if it was the Super Bowl that was on, but they were all convinced that you could just go to GoDaddy and get these for $9.95. And I'm like, no, no, no. It's a, it's a premium domain name. Like, they're all registered. You have to buy it from somebody else. So being pretty uh, disheartened because I got rejected by uh, everybody I had pitched this idea to, um, the lawyer taught me an important lesson. Basically, never take no for an answer. Negotiate. So go back to the fellow and say, well, you know, don't lowball him and you know offer him half or less than half. Why don't you say thirty thousand dollars? I'm like, I, you know, Phil, I still don't have thirty thousand dollars. And he goes, well, let's see if we can come up with something creative. And I go, well, maybe I can send him five thousand dollars a quarter for the next six quarters. So kind of maybe maybe do this kind of financing deal. And you know what? He went for the deal. So George, wow. with with five thousand dollars, which I'm pretty sure we just charged to the corporate credit card, uh, we were able to uh, obtain the name Voices.com and wow. then transition the business really over in, I, if I recall correctly, I mean, it was less than 30 days, that's for sure. It was as soon as we got it, I'm like, wow, this is amazing. Let's start marketing under the new name. So we literally kind of copied the entire uh, domain, uh, all the data on one server to another server that had the, the new registered uh, voices.com domain and just pointed all the traffic to it. And literally it was just kind of a, you know, an address redirection. And, and we were, you know, in business, um, you know, in, as I say, in kind of a matter of weeks and wow. people were just really impressed. They're like, wow, how'd you get this name? And it's, you know, we love it. And it's a brand that we can rally behind. And, you know, looking back, um, what I think was, a, uh, you know, one of uh, the best decisions, I would say, business decisions that um, that we've ever made. Uh, It was also one of those, you know, probably more risky ones. And I like to certainly not a not a betting man uh, by any stretch myself, um, but I would call that more of a calculated risk. One of those things where you figure, you know, 
is this going to be good for the long term? And, you know, I, I truly felt it, it was and, and saw the, the value in creating a brand identity that people would want to be part of. So just so we get an idea, I mean, what year was this when you, we, uh, you bought this domain? 2007. So, so 2007. So you've been in business for about three years yep, approximately. Exactly. And so we get an idea because this is, this is $30,000, $30, you know, even though it's a quarterly payments of 5000 right? Right. Uh, so it's still a lot of money. Give us an idea what was the size of your business then. So because sometimes people don't want to invest any money in their business. So uh, so we get kind of a feel for it. Like how many sure. clients maybe you had and oh, things yeah. like no, that. I mean, I'll, I mean, I'll even get more. So kind of total registered users was about 10,000, probably paying clients, uh, registered users. So it's more like a freemium model. So, you know, of course, with any web business, you get a bunch of people to sign up free and then maybe 5, 10, 15% of the people actually purchase. I think we probably had about, you know, it was a little less than 500 kind of, you know, paying customers, if you will. Mm -hmm. okay. uh, on the year, our revenues, I, if I'm getting this correct, it's probably, it was around $250,000. So, you know, if you, you kind of bake that in. I mean, it's it's pretty close to you know twenty percent of our of our revenues, let alone you know all the expenses uh, that go with running a company. Um, you know, went on this single play. Um, it's a huge chunk of your revenue, it so is. it wasn't a small small risk. Even though even today, it's 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 easy to say, and I'm sure you, you had a gut. I mean, you you already had a lot of. A lot of users, even if it's only five, ten percent of ten thousand users, but but still, I mean, it, it was hard for you to go go wrong with that kind of domain name. Yeah, and and I mean the the market, you know, we had validated the market, which is um, I think an excellent thing to do. I mean, my you know advice to a lot of people that are considering starting a business um, or even kind of branching out into a different area is just you know start with a no tech or low tech solution, which often can just be a lot of conversations and kind of surveying people, if you will, informally. But then when it comes time to, you know, nowadays, I mean, you can, as you know, register a domain name and, and you know, install WordPress and maybe even buy a premium WordPress theme all for under 200 bucks. I mean, it's yeah. ridiculous, you know, and, you know, you want to test on an idea, buy some traffic from Google, you know, spend 500 bucks on getting, getting traffic. And, you know, at, at, at the first blush, it might seem like, wow, you know, almost a thousand dollars to, to test out a business idea. Well, you know, think of years ago, you know, big organizations are spending, you know, and even small companies are spending tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars just to test out an idea where you can get a pretty good feel for our people, you know, do they, are they clicking on my ads? Are they staying on my website? Are they filling out my, the, you know, request for more information form on, on this little email form? There's a lot of, you know, simple steps that you can take to, to rapidly test out an idea and then decide if it's worth um, investing further in. So we've been talking about your business and, and how you started for a while, but very quickly, and, and I have to say your site is really addictive. I ended up listening to way too many uh, samples. <laughs> so, sounds, sounds like me on the weekend. The, the kids love <laughs> listening to, uh, to to the voice talent in, in other languages. I think it's a bit of an eye-opener for them. So yeah. yeah, and all the accents and, and everything. So, But you know, very quickly, can you give our audience an idea what Voices.com is and what, why would somebody use it? Sure. Um, so really, you know, it's, it's a, you know, we, again, we refer to voices.com as a marketplace. It's a, a place where you would go to 
um, hire a voice actor for maybe your business phone system, or maybe you're producing a YouTube video or a commercial, and you want somebody to have that kind of professional sound that's going to, um, you know, be your um, your audio ambassador, if you will, the 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 voice or sound of your brand. Um, and so these are people who are great storytellers, you know, it's, it's not everything needs to sound like a commercial, you know, you can have people who sound very natural and, and, um, they're actors. And so, um, you know, those are some of the most common uses of voices.com is to come and, as you said, listen to a bunch of people. And ultimately, um, when you find somebody that you like, you can request a quote from them by, describing your project uh and then they'll submit back a, a price quote and then um you pay uh, th- by credit card through the website and then alt and then in return you're going to get uh you know your word document will be read out uh into an audio file and you get those audio files back delivered to you um through the platform so it is kind of an, an end-to-end um and i think probably if if, if i may that the biggest kind of wow factor is the speed at which people return the files to you um, is typically within 24 to 48 hours, you know, obviously depending on kind of the size and scope of the recording. Um, But I mean, talking of kind of, you know, trying out uh, new ideas or a different radio commercial, or I want a different voice on my video. um, These are things that, you know, literally hundreds of these kind of projects are happening, um, you know, every, every day. So it's, it's just amazing to see kind of the, level of engagement within the community. Is there like an average price uh, for someone to have, um, you know, a new commercial created for their business? For example, I listen to a lot of car commercials and yeah. and all that and, you know, business commercials. And Is there some rule of thumb? I mean, I know it, it, I'm sure it, there's a lot of variables there, but can you give us an idea? Yeah, for sure. Um, the I would say, I mean, because we measure, you know, obviously uh, the average transaction size for all these deals that are going through the site. Um, I think typically it ranges around the two hundred and fifty dollar mark, um, which is let's call it a page, you know, maybe a pa- maybe a page or two of of script, which is probably between thirty and sixty seconds, or you know, your entire phone system, you know, press one for this, press two for that, um, you know, your on hold message that would kind of all fit within a couple pages of script. So probably around the two hundred and fifty dollar mark. Um, for those that are interested, uh, you could Google um, Voices.com rates, and there's a whole rate sheet that we have it all broken down of kind of the different uses and um you know just to kind of give you and that was developed by again surveying our customers and also factoring in like actual transactions we were seeing through the platform so voices.com rates is is a kind of a good place to to go and and see what the prices the going yeah the going rate is for uh, different kinds of recordings now that makes sense because I think sometimes people have no idea so at least you at least give some kind of a, a guidance uh, for them exactly now- and we're not trying to you know suggest that the market is a certain way it's just you know we have this kind of unique position of seeing all the data flowing through the platform that we can we figure well it's actually probably going to be more helpful and um because you know as you said if if people think that it's a thousand bucks or five thousand bucks it's it doesn't have to be that i mean maybe some people do charge that but um there's certainly a lot of uh professionals that are you know really quite reasonable that are you know happy to work with you and establish a longer term uh, business relationship you know, I mean, you you managed to build a marketplace, basically, right? As, mm-hmm. you, as you mentioned several times, which 
I always thought it was incredibly difficult because, you know, you basically have two customers. So sure. in other businesses, you know, we just have to worry about get one customer. But for you to be successful, you have to do twice as much. So what, what did you do right to make this a success, to be able to create a successful marketplace? I'm really glad you pointed that out because it's something that is um, very under underappreciated, to be honest, which is – um, and that's how we view it, uh, is two distinct customer groups who often have opposing needs and desires. So think about this for a second. You have the client who wants things as quickly as possible. And, you know, I still want it to sound very high quality, professional, but I want to pay, in a sense, the you know, the minimal amount possible. And then you have on the other end of the marketplace, the voice talent who want to work with the best clients, have the best relationships, and they want to make the most money. So, you know, and, and, and so the, these kind of opposing forces. So by, you know, us kind of serving as that trusted intermediary um, has been our approach. We don't necessarily, quote unquote, work for any party over the other, but rather we operate the platform. Um, and so I think there is certainly a kind of a chicken and egg type problem here, which is what came first. Um, in our situation, we actually built up the um, and, and marketed the voice talent on the website first. As I said, they were kind of coming to us and we were way back in the day, kind of hand coding HTML profiles of these um, for these voice actors. And then we set about trying to find them work and trying to find clients that maybe would want to hire them. But what do we get right? I think that right from day one, because not only are Stephanie and I, you know, co-founders in the company, we're also husband and wife. So we, you know, you know, live, breathe, eat and sleep this business all, you know, all, all day long. Um, but one of the things we did right off the bat was we literally had a piece of paper that we drew a line down the middle and we said, okay, here's your area of responsibility and here's my area of responsibility. And broadly speaking, Stephanie works with the voice talent and the coaches and the education facilities and the agents. And, and that's kind of all her area of the business. And then mine is on the client side. So working with the enterprises and government agencies and, and um, educational institutions and so forth to bring their jobs onto the platform. So I think having those kind of two, you know, I couldn't imagine running a marketplace as a solo entrepreneur. I think that would be tremendously difficult. You certainly need to, you know, any business, as you know, you need to surround yourself with great people. Um, but I think from the beginning, we were, we kind of had these dual tracks going on. And even to this day, when you visit the homepage of voices.com, you'll see that there's kind of a, a green box and a blue box. And they do, we try to separate people um, you know, new visitors down these different paths, depending on kind of what, you know, uh, uh, category they fall into. And then this, the whole um, story and all the words we use and the, the, the calls to action and the buttons that lead to sign up forms, they're all distinct, whether you are a client or a voice talent. And so that kind of line of thinking of, you know, serving two customer groups has been kind of in our, in our DNA since the very beginning. Okay. Now, you know, 10 years, you've been in business approximately, yeah. right? Uh, I mean, it's a huge accomplishment, uh, you know, when you look at all the statistics and, and you manage to build a successful business. How would you compare 
your challenges from early on to the challenges of today and, and dealing with those challenges. Can you talk about that a little bit? There are a lot of the same things. I mean, it's, uh, you know, hiring um, a team of people. Um, well, let's even, you know, back that up. You know, it's what I was just referring to is, you know, defining roles and responsibilities and, you know, knowing who's doing what, communicating who's doing what. Um, and then if there's a if there's a need, then, you know, hiring uh, somebody new for that position, um, certainly you need to be able to, um, you know, be able to financially support them, which is a big responsibility. Uh, and so those are the same challenges that we had from kind of the earliest days to now. Um, I've always built the business, um, and this might kind of sound funny, but really to engineer myself out of the process and thinking in terms of systems. So, you know, if I'm going to, if we're going to bother doing something once and we can imagine ourselves doing it maybe 10, 20 times, I'm probably going to figure out, is there a system to do this? Whether it starts just as a spreadsheet or maybe it's a customer relationship management system like salesforce.com, you know, or I know there's a lot of other ones, Zoho, uh, CRM and and so forth. There's a lot of, you know, other systems on on the market. Um, but looking at ways on how to kind of standardize a process and then improve it over time. So taking this kind of continuous, uh, you know, improvement type approach, and that just comes because you hit a brick wall and you realize, well, what's the challenge here? Why do we keep running into this? You know, can we reset our thinking, take a completely different approach? If we were to start this process from scratch, you know, having none of the emotional or mental baggage or, you know, no kind of ties to the, our current way of doing business. If we were to start this from scratch, how would we do it? And we've taken that approach a few times and just kind of come up with brand new solutions to a particular problem. So those are, you know, I, I think it's a lot of the same stuff, um, you know, as I say, you know, both people and then, um, you know, your product. And, you know, I guess the third P would be your, your process. Okay. Um, it's 2014. Can you give us an idea 10 years into the business? What is the size of voices that come in terms of people, customers? And I don't know if you can share any revenue uh, numbers. Sure. Um, so the number of cu- – so again, kind of back in the day we were talking, you know, first year was like just trying to get our first 100 people uh, was kind of um, our target. And then it was the first 1,000. Today we're at a quarter million, so two hundred and fifty thousand um, users. Yeah, two hundred fifty thousand users. Um, okay. There's forty five staff um, that are here, so again, it's a pretty sizable team. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, revenue certainly in the um, let's call it you know double digits of millions. So, okay. um, you know, it's it's uh, in terms of gross revenue. So, yeah, I mean, it's. You know, at kind of first blush, you know, I, it's it's still you know shocking to me because you know I just I remember when we were just trying to get land our first hundred dollars, but um, it kind of you know it's just a lot of small decisions that were made correctly over the year and being willing to you know undo a decision if it was a bad one and and um, just kind of taking every one one day at a time. It's been a it's it's a long slow process, and I think many entrepreneurs get impatient and frustrated, but I don't think we had any necessarily any secret sauce. 
if there was one, it was persistence. We stuck to one idea and we stuck to it for 10 years. And the idea was a marketplace for voiceovers. And we didn't change that in 10 years. It's been more or less the same business the whole time, you know, and other market dynamics have changed and, you know, people on our team have come and gone. Um, You know, the, the industry landscape maybe has changed, but it's, we've just stuck to this one idea. And I think if entrepreneurs out there can do that, they'll be a lot more successful than constantly, you know, chasing the next, you know, the next best thing. And then, the revenue model is always changing. So stick to the one thing that's that and see it all the way through. I mean, so far it sounds like almost like a walk in a park and I know it wasn't and I'm sure and and you're not trying to say it was, but I want to hear, you know, maybe a, a big mistake or a big challenge that was a really great learning experience for you. I think probably the the biggest one um was around uh, a time when we it was around the I mean, honestly it was the the financial crisis um, in the, in the U.S. Um, now we're based in Canada, um, so you, at first you know glance you would think it wouldn't have had a whole lot to do with us, but our uh, credit card processors, um, the company that that runs our credit card system for us, was actually an American company, and they had a Canadian subsidiary, and and when we initially um, filled out the application when we started the company um, to open up a credit card account that they asked us, you know, what's your annual revenues? Well, I don't know. It'd be amazing if we made, you know, like $30,000 a year, you know, maybe 3000 a month, 36000 on the year. So, okay, we jotted that down on this application. And then they asked us, what's our average transaction size? I'm like, well, we haven't really sold anything yet. Like, okay, we'll just put zero on the application. Well, you know, four or five years go by and the financial crisis happens and, and this company is reviewing all their accounts. And we came up because there had been an issue of uh, a few instances of uh, f- uh, fraud, uh, of uh, fraudulent transactions using a stolen credit card over the internet. Um, and they had told us that we were 17 times outside their risk profile and that they would be effectively shutting our credit card system down immediately. And I said, well, look, you're pretty much going to be putting us you know, out of business. This is completely unreasonable. They said, okay, well, we'll give you 30 days and then all, you know, and we're stopping, uh, we're going to stop depositing funds into your account. We're going to give you 30 days to find a new processor. So think of that from our position. We had about at the time about 2,500 credit cards encrypted on, on file. So we had, so it's not like it was an easy switch. We literally had to go find another provider and um, come up with a security deposit and still keep the whole business running um, all within 30 days and then switch all of our customers over by obtaining new credit card information from them um, for upcoming subscriptions and, and other kinds of transactions that we were uh, that we were running. And that was just a really, really difficult time because truthfully, we had very little cash coming into the company and because um, we had no means of processing it. And, you know, the need to continue operations. And I think that was uh, taught me an important lesson that you need to keep a cash reserve, um, you know, for, you know, that it's kind of common advice in your personal life of kind of a three to six month window of, of having some cash on hand. And 
that was the the lesson there was to basically take that same approach um, in business is that you really, really need to have that cash reserve, you know, the war chest as sometimes it's referred to as um, in your company so that when the inevitable, you know, rainy day or storm uh, more like it comes that you can, you can ride through it. And that was, that was just, as I say, a difficult time that we, that we made it through and I think learn those tough lessons, and I think we're stronger, uh, stronger for it. Yeah, I just have a couple of. I know we get to that thirty-minute mark. I just have a couple of more questions. Sure. Uh, um, one is, you know, you, you build a successful business, and some people say, you know, what? Well, there's no more opportunities out there, or there's just way too much competition for me to succeed. So, you as somebody that has done it. Do you do you see opportunities today in business, even in this kind of weak economy that we're we're going through right now? Well, definitely. I think there's two there's two ways that you can find the next great idea. Um, one is to find whatever that you know. This is sound a little bit cliche, but honestly, it is to find whatever that passion it is for you and figure out how are you going to monetize that. And that's what Stephanie and I did, which was. You know, I was an, an audio guy that worked, you know, I started my own studio and, and just, you know, kind of build the hourly rate of $30 an hour in this this little studio I started. Um, and, you know, Stephanie, you know, charged, uh, you know, a modest amount to go around and, and sing at weddings and, and get honorariums for singing at special events and so forth. So those are both passions that we had and it evolved over time into a marketplace that was ultimately scalable. That's, I think those are things that both of us really enjoyed ever since we were kids. I always, you know, liked the record player and shortwave radios. And I was kind of into the, 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 the tech. Um, so I think a lot of, you know, aspiring entrepreneurs certainly need to reflect on their childhood and what they were like in school and what kind of things did they like doing. Um, so that's one place to find good ideas. The other one is honestly to observe the world around you and find something that just annoys you. Because if it annoys you, then there's probably a whole bunch of other people that annoys as well. I mean, if it's uh, you know a better key ring system that you can you know you know uh, color code your keys so that they you know they come it's easier to spot on your keychain. Or, you know, we're at lunch and, you know, the ketchup bottle was not putting out any ketchup and I had to shake it about 20 times. Is there a better ketchup bottle that could be created? I mean, find a way to kind of scratch your own itch, as, as the saying goes. So I think those are two ways that you can find a business. And it doesn't have to be one of these high-tech web businesses at the beginning. Sometimes you can kind of figure things out offline and then making the leap online that's when things you know really start to get interesting but you can validate whatever your idea is um you know without hardly spending any money i mean my my wife is probably you know kind of annoyed anywhere i go and i always ask i read people's name tags and i'll say oh julie uh you know have you ever heard of those those people on commercials that you know that do the voices what do you think they're called and because i'm just trying to see what people think that these kind of people are called and they're like a narrator or a, you know an announcer, and I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Uh, you know, and I'll just I'll just strike up conversations with you know the folks of the you know the, you know the gas bar attendant or you know uh, you know receptionist uh, pretty much anywhere we go because I'm just kind of constantly in that sponge mode of trying to ask questions and then get some feedback. 
And I think it's a, it's a great mindset uh, that, you know, uh, conducive to, you know, lifelong learning. If if someone came to you, maybe a, a best friend or somebody in your family that has a job now, but they see your success in business and they say, you know what, David, I really want to to succeed. What would be the first thing you would teach them about being an entrepreneur? Wow, I, we were. I was just out uh, to lunch with someone, and we were talking about this. I, I asked uh, the fellow. I said, uh, uh, "You know, have you ever thought about starting your own company?" He's like, "Oh, interesting, you ask." I was, you know, I was, that's why I was kind of hoping to go to lunch with you. And and uh, we we got into a whole conversation, and you know, we talked about some of the ideas. And I said, "Well, whatever it is, just take you know, I, like, what is the next step?" You know, and you know, take that next step, whatever it is, if it's registering a business name um if it's you know maybe um registering a domain name um taking some kind of like tangible step that starts to make it become a reality um maybe it's a fictitious business name at the outset but you start a business plan where you literally get everything down on paper and not some hundred page full of charts and graphs i'm just talking about like more like an action plan like what am i going to do in the next 12 months to kind of move in this direction so it really comes down to action because there's a lot of people with a lot of great ideas, but they never take that next step to just doing something tangible. I think if you do that, then you're going to see even some small successes and it's going to give you the confidence to make that next step, whatever that may be. So what, what do you see? Where do you see voices in the next five years? What is your ultimate goal? If you could draw theperfectvoices.com as a mm. business, what would it look like? You know, when when we think about this kind of question, um, it really is in alignment with our what we view our strategy to be. And it's it's two words. And it might, again, be one of these kind of sound very corny, but it comes down to this. We really do want to dominate the industry, meaning be that be that kind of dominant player, you know, for good, um, but the one that everyone kind of is, is thinks, you know, voiceovers are synonymous with, oh, yeah, right, I go to voices.com for that. Um, so that means speaking to every potential customer that's out there, having every single voice talent that, you know, practice the art and craft of, of voice acting, they should be on the platform as well. Um, so I think it's, it's just having that kind of omnipresence is really what we're, what we're aiming for. And, you know, the byproducts of that are, you know, executing the strategy across, um, you know, across global uh, boundaries um, by having a multilingual site and being in different countries around the world, um, making sure everything is uh, mobile enabled. I mean, that's our mobile apps. That's um, the, the responsive design, the dynamic uh, nature of our website that works equally well across desktop, tablet, and and mobile phones. So it's these kind of strategic initiatives when you have this okay if industry domination is where we're trying to go what does that mean well it means we have to be in you know as many countries and as many languages on every device and talking to every single customer that we possibly can so that's kind of the the big vision and you know it may not take it may, it may not be five years it might be another 10 years but i think we'll get there well david i really appreciate you taking the time how can people connect with you 
Yeah, certainly. Um, I'd love to, uh, we can carry on the conversation um, by email. Um, if you just email CEO at voices.com, that'll get right to me. Um, also, if you just wanted to poke around the website and listen to our own podcasts or, um, you know, download uh, some of the other resources that are available, um, then uh, voices.com is, is a great uh, a great place to go. David Cicerelli, co-founder of voices.com. Thank you, and I wish you much success in the next 10 years. Thanks so much, George. Bye.